Aloha, Gary Langley here coming to you from Hawaii and I want to talk to you a little bit about my mission experience. I grew up in Alabama. I went to the University of Alabama in Huntsville and lived in Huntsville most of my adult life until I was uh, in my 30s. About 35 years ago now, my wife and I moved to Hawaii. I was never one of those people who sat around dreaming of living on a tropical island. It was a unique set of circumstances I may talk about in a future podcast. But we ended up here in Hawaii, and over the years, eventually I ended up as a pastor, and I ended up as a denominational leader in Hawaii with a a great interest in expanding the footprint, the reach of our church organization into all of these little Pacific Island nations that I saw on the map that had exotic names and tiny little locations. They're little dots out in the Pacific Ocean, places I'd never been, never even dreamt of going. And I just had sort of a desire to see what we could do with that. I felt like some of those areas were underserved church-wise and that we were uniquely positioned to maybe um, work in some of those areas. So I set out to make it part of my mission to not just uh, focus on things here in Hawaii, but to focus on the Pacific Island nations. And I started to uh, look for opportunities. And when an opportunity presented itself, I very gently pushed on that door to see if that was something that I felt like God would have me to do. And as it turned out, it worked out really well. And um, so about in 2012, I really stretched my comfort zone just a little bit away from Hawaii and began to reach out into some other Pacific Island nations. After a series of email exchanges with a Christian leader from the island nation of the Republic of Kiribati, I decided that there was an opportunity there for us to connect and work together, and I scheduled a trip to go and make a physical visit to the place so that I could meet him and check the situation out and see what we were getting into. Little did I know that In a lot of these small island nations in the Pacific, there are one or two flights weekly. That's it. You go in and you're either there for three days or seven days when the next weekly flight cycle begins. And so I scheduled a short visit, not knowing what I was getting into, and scheduled a three-day, go in in one day and come back out three days later and um, had to go to Fiji to get there. And it was really an interesting trip. I got there and was met by this leader and realized I was crossing cultures. I was in a whole new world for me. It was really interesting and exciting, um, but just a little bit awkward because I didn't know the protocols of the people group that I was dealing with. I wasn't sure who spoke really good English and who didn't, and uh, had a, a really interesting visit. 
And while I was there, he uh, took me, this leader took me to visit the denominational leader of, a, of another group there who, well-educated man, been to the United States, spoke very good English. And he came out to greet me and he said, well, brother, you can tell people now that you have taken the gospel to the ends of the earth because Kiribati is the end of the earth. And he remarked that nobody came to Kiribati unless they were coming to Kiribati. You didn't come there passing through to go somewhere else. It was a terminal destination where you would make your trip and plan to go there. People were lovely. Um, I had to adjust a little bit to the food situation and eating some unfamiliar things and got a little bit sick the first day there. Um, tried to pick up cultural cues from my host and uh, see if I could see if I could adapt to that. And over the years that we've worked together now, we've been working together since 2012, uh, I have learned a great deal about the culture, made other trips back there, and um, it has been a wonderful thing to observe. As a result of that one contact, we also expanded into the nations of Tuvalu and Nauru and some other places, and my visits to those places have been also wonderful cultural experiences. Each place has a unique way of doing things and a unique culture, and the people in all of these island nations are, are wonderful people, and I've enjoyed very much getting to know them. But you need to be aware if you go on some of these mission trips, if you go to some of these areas that, um, you know, from the Wizard of Oz movie, you ain't in Kansas anymore. You're on their turf and you're in their culture and you learn to do things their way. You adapt and uh, roll with the punches. Let's just put it that way. It's a wonderful experience to cross cultures. One of my personal mission philosophies is that there is dignity and equal partnership. I don't want to go into these areas and being an American, connect up with a group of people who are going to spend the next 50 or 100 years coming to me as if I am the dad with their hand out asking for their allowance. I just don't think that that's a dignified equal partnership. So my whole philosophy has been to create as much as possible in, in a power differential situation like this, an equal partnership. So I try to go in and meet the people and do the necessary prerequisite things to set the church up in a new nation. And then I try to discover what it is that they need. What do they perceive to be their greatest need in order to be as independent and self-sufficient financially as possible? I might need to do a podcast about the theoretical construct of the three self movement of the church in China at some point. But one of those things that is that is self-financing and and I believe in that one. I really believe that the church in every area should, to the extent possible, be self-financing. It's not always completely possible. But there's a dignity in that. So in one of the areas we went in, we discovered that they 
needed a boat. That's what they needed, a boat and a motor in order to use it for evangelism and go to other islands and and evangelize and help plant churches. They needed it to haul medical supplies from a nearby body of land. They needed it to fish and provide food for the pastor and his family and other members of the congregation. They needed it for transportation to get from their isolated island to medical facilities for tests and and medical care. It, It was just seemed like the thing that they needed the most was a boat. There were some other things that went along with that. We also provided some um, some solar-powered lights for a place where there was no electrical power and a chainsaw and some other things. But, but the boat was the big one. And through the power of social media, I was actually able to raise the funds to provide the boat in just about two weeks, a little less than three weeks. And we ordered a custom-made boat, which they are putting to great use now. It's been a wonderful thing for them to have that boat. And it has made them feel on a more equal partnership level with us than it would have been had they been constantly coming with their hand out asking for a little money, a little money, a little money all along. Uh, in another area that we went into in another island nation, and I'm intentionally not mentioning location names because I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot or embarrass them. In another area, there was very little public transportation available. And even though the island nation was pretty small, assembling all the people to come together for worship was a little bit of a difficult task without public transportation. So they needed a used vehicle. And we were able to connect them up with a donor who was willing and able to provide the money for them to buy a used vehicle, which has been a great, great help for them to go around and pick people up and use that to uh, to help grow their church congregation and build their church up. And now that same group of people have also requested a small fishing boat because they found a little piece of land and they want to build a church building on there, but they don't want to keep coming back asking for you know funds for building materials all the time they want to actually earn it back to that equal partnership um, philosophy so they've asked us to assist them to get a small fishing boat and a motor and I just got some information today on that about the kind of boat that's available and the prices and and all of that I'm going to start seeking some funding to help them get that boat so that their people can go and fish and sell the fish and the seafood, use that money to support the pastor and also to uh, help construct their building. The whole philosophy is there's dignity and equal partnership in missions. Now, having just said all that about the dignity and equal partnership, I'm not so naive that I don't recognize that there is an essential power differential between the American sending church and some of the developing nations in which these mission efforts are taking place. The economy in some of these areas is poor to non-existent. There's a subsistence economy in some of these places. They live off what they can eat out of the ocean. Um, The governments in some of these nations are very dependent upon international aid in order just to provide essential services and keep things operating. 
And so I recognize that America is a nation that is financially considered a very rich nation on the worldwide perspective. So I have never hesitated to ask people in the United States to give generously to help us develop these international areas and to develop that equal partnership that provides dignity by giving them the basic tools with which they can do for themselves. So I believe we're blessed to bless others. And I believe that America as a nation has been financially blessed with natural resources and people resources. And we can't ignore that fact. We have poor people in the United States who are richer than middle class and wealthy people in some of these other countries. In a couple of the places I go, almost no one owns an automobile. In the United States, some people who are very, very poor own an automobile. Poor people in the United States have mobile phones. It's just a completely different atmosphere from some of the developing nations. So I don't hesitate to ask people who have been blessed to extend that blessing to other people. And that's why I am not hesitant at all to put needs before people and say, here is a way that we can help this country, this group of people in this nation to become equal partners with us in reaching their own people for the, with the gospel. And in order to do that, I want to help them by providing this and then lay the need out there and give the cost of that need and then ask these people in the United States who've been so richly blessed to dig deep. I really don't think it's even sacrificial giving in most cases. I I have sponsored Compassion Children, didn't miss a beat. I've sponsored children through the One Child Fund, didn't miss a beat. I never missed a meal. I still had money to go and do what I needed to do. Uh, All of my needs are really provided, and a whole lot of my wants are provided. So for me to hoard more unto myself and ignore the needs of others in some of these countries, I think, for me personally, would be completely selfish. So I never ask for myself. I would never take up an offering for myself or ask anyone to give to me for any need. But I don't hesitate at all to ask people to bless people in these developing nations and help them to become equal partners with us. That's my mission philosophy about the whole dignity and equal partnership and about us being blessed to bless others. So if you see me on here hitting everybody up to give and provide something for another nation, it's not for me. I can promise you that. God's richly blessed every single one of us. and We need to pass those blessings on to others. Until next time, aloha. Ahuiho.